what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the belated uh, 88th edition or so of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here uh, in the middle of the World Series, which, unfortunately, your Toronto Blue Jays are not participating, uh, but that does not mean that there's nothing to talk about with that team. Uh, as well, we're probably not going to talk about the World Series uh, too much, because who cares? But uh, it's been a little while, so we can talk about what happened in the series before the ongoing World Series, uh, and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, and to do so, uh, joining me, joining me uh, as always... Old Reliable. Uh, old Reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm not unwell. I'm not unwell. You are, and I think that uh, you are unfairly maligned as the... Old Reliable, or facetiously named Old Reliable, yes. when it, it is, uh, I think it's more of like an insidious disease that has uh, taken us all, that takes down even, takes down everyone. Even frankly. you, even you. Even you, normally re- Normally reliable. Yeah, well, I'm not reliable, let's be honest here. <laughs> but the last, I, <laughs> the last few, we have had some troubles. Uh, but we're starting, so we do these so late. Uh, that's the that challenge a, that a person with you know a life and a and a family and whatnot uh can hardly make it through the day to do his baseball podcast so i, I think that's understandable it can be tough it can be tough uh because i have to wait <laughs> for everyone to, to go white away people problems yeah. yeah white people problems like i can't do my record my podcast until later at <laughs> night when I, my, I put my beautiful children to bed first yeah. um but no yes apologies but here we are you know we're back at it back on the regular schedule hopefully even though today's tuesday Usually we would do it later in the week, but we're back well, Birds we All Day, one. which, yeah. which of course, uh, you can support at patreon.com slash birds all day. And for all of the support and patience, we are uh, incredibly grateful and thankful. Uh, so thank you for everyone who's, who participated and, and, and who listened and shared and commented and tweeted and Facebooked uh, anything during this another, another incredible season of Blue Jays baseball. Of course, it did not end when we, had, uh, when we would have hoped, when we had anticipated um, if we had our way, of course. We yeah, it didn't. These... It didn't end in mid-September, like we all sort of anticipated there for a while. It, yeah, all, it, <laughs> although it seemed as though it did end in mid-September, uh, it 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 could easily. Well, not easily. It could have actually. We could have been doing a you know a World Series preview podcast yesterday, teeing up Game One, where uh, some Blue Jays pitcher would have started against some Cub, John Lester, presumably. But uh, that's not what's happening. Yeah, so Zeke, we're gonna... Zeke would have been running wild on Lester, wouldn't he? Would have been great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, Dalton the, Pompey the... would have been glued to the bench. How crazy is that John Lester thing? It's a little Because weird. then yeah. tonight, here in game one of the World Series, Lindor, Francisco Lindor got thrown out trying to steal second base. Well, against the guy that doesn't know how to throw, he doesn't want to throw over the first base. He took an enormous lead. He almost got picked off. He started early. And Lester just stepped off and looked at him. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Talk about the ALCS. Talk about what maybe what the Blue Jays can learn. I don't know. Do you think the Blue Jays have the the, the facility? Do they have the uh, the impetus to learn from Cleveland? Yeah. Is there is, is that sort yeah, of infrastructure in place? I wonder. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. I, I like how you're, you're you're teeing it up like we're going to talk about the ALCS as though we haven't been talking about 2017 every week for the, like, the last year anyway. We're always, we're forward thinking folk here. Forward looking, forward thinking. I, we're not alone in that. Every, every time, every time the chips were down, it became a conversation about 2017. 
for me, people start at, you know, people want to know. They're asking us. They're talking about oh, who are they going to bring back? What are they going to do? So I think that finally, after having talked about this for months and months and months, last year it was we talked about uh, Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman. All this year it was going to be it was Edwin and, and Jose Bautista. We're gonna we're gonna solve it today. That's my bold prediction. All right, giddy up. Is today will be solved. So we'll talk about all that, all that, and so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. So as you are listening to this Blue Jays podcast, I assume you know that the Blue Jays lost the American League <laughs> Championship Series, uh, four games to one, to Cleveland. Cleveland is now playing in the World Series, having beaten those Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays were down three zip, and they narrowly avoided the sweep. And uh, it seemed there was a lot of excitement after winning that one game. Am I crazy? I, I don't think you are crazy. No, I don't think you are crazy. There was the the famous Kevin Millar, uh, "Don't let us win today," rallying cry. Well, uh, I think you see, a the, lot. Cleveland was taking their trash and dumping it on the mound every day, and the Blue Jays were just sort of <laughs> wallowing in it, and staring at it, and then walking back to the dugout. It is perplexing that Cleveland was able to make it so far with that patchwork staff. That is being that's being kind to their garbage staff, calling them patchwork. After fucking Patches Bauer, this patch came off and bleeding all over the place. Then, yeah, like eight relievers, whatever the hell it was. Let's relive all this. What a wonderful series it was. Well, it's funny because when I was thinking about, you know, what I would say and how I would talk about that series uh the fact of the matter is that they just got beat the mm-hmm. blue jays got beat by cleveland and cleveland is really good i think yeah unfortunately that is probably i must concede that that's probably true i mean i, I am not ever going to give credit to the royals for being a good team um i feel like the royals were really lucky mm-hmm and all of the talk about the way that the team was composed, and the only thing the Royals did that that you know was admirable was the way that they built their bullpen. Obviously, even though yeah. their bullpen was uh, very unlike Cleveland's bullpen in that it they didn't it wasn't nearly as fluid. They just had lots of good pitchers. Uh, where Cleveland has lots of good players, they don't have a great player, but their lineup is. Uh, and I, I may have said this before, it's like the opposite of what the Blue Jays lineup became at the end of the season in that there's, there were no holes in it. Mm. You know, even like a, even a, a Lonnie Chisenhall is a decent bat. Uh, he's like a league average guy, say, or, or maybe a little bit better. Um, they have some nice platoons. They have everything. Else, and then they have the defense only catcher who can run into a fastball from time to time. <sighs> It makes them really tough. It makes them really tough to, to play against. And that's, I think, I, the heartbreaking and yet inevitable nature of the, the series against Cleveland kind of belies how tight it was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you look at the, you know, I mean, it's five games, whatever. But, like, 
yeah, you look at the the hits, the average, the everything but home runs. But you know, the Jays in, in the raw numbers did well. They did not. They didn't. They didn't have great timing in terms of when they were getting their hits, which is mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times to I think Cleveland's credit. The uh, you know, especially I think early in the se- these series, it was like, hmm, should, should we pitch? Should we throw? Should we go over the plate? Should we do? Should we really tangle with Jose Bautista here, or maybe Russell Martin has been trashed for a while, and we can see if, let him meet us if he can. Mm-hmm. No, which, absolutely. Uh, which worked well, and just the value of hitting home runs versus not home runs. Mm-hmm. That like was, it doesn't. <laughs> that yeah, it's weird for the for the fact that people are like, oh, a small ball team, a team with these other. It's like that. It was a great demonstration of what uh, the difference making abilities of a home run joe buck uh was in the middle of making the same asinine point in game one here tonight about how oh the cleveland they're like a a national league team Uh, and the moment that he did that that the roberto perez just pissed all over uh, john lester fastball and hit it you know 380 feet at 112 miles an hour uh and i it's not i think the difference is Cleveland is not a small ball team. They're a small name team. Mm. There's not like famous guys on the team. There are no big, big well-known sluggers. But you that have is, that mm-hmm. is certainly why. Uh, and this tweet was thrown back at me by Cleveland folks a lot when, when after the Jays lost that frustrating series in August mm-hmm. that featured the the Naquin inside the park home run or whatever the hell it was when Upton didn't back up Saunders and Saunders feebly jumped for a ball and missed it, uh, and they walked us off. Uh, they walked the Jays off. Uh, I was like, this shitty team in a playoff series, please, like, let's face this fucking shitty team. Mm-hmm. Uh, slightly wrong about that, but I, but I think, but I think to your point is part of the reason that it felt like a shitty team is because you look up and down that lineup, you're like, really, Mike Napoli? That's, you know, you're you think you think a team with Mike Napoli at the center of the lineup is going to be able to go up against you know our fucking bangers here? Are you kidding me? uh jose ramirez that's a fluke season come on and you know you kind of go down the list and uh it's like you said it's uh there's a lot of there's not a lot of great but there's a lot of good there and it it really without those giant black holes uh makes a big difference makes it tough so roberto perez who we were just discussing discussing just hit another home run now he has two here in game one uh oddly enough but yeah no uh, there's a lot to like and and it's funny because for all the jokes and the cleveland north stuff that has been going on when you hear a guy like russ atkins talk about what's going to happen in the future he essentially describes building a team similar to cleveland's mm-hmm. they want to be younger and more athletic and a bit more you know guys that can do more things um, more you balanced know, with the platoons right more, i mean cleveland definitely takes advantage of that Cleveland has those switch hitters and the platoons, like you said, and it just makes – and they've got guys who uh, – I mean, maybe Coco Crisp and Rajay Davis aren't an ideal platoon in the outfield, but they're good at a, they're good at a specific set of things. And then Crisp actually, like, really swung the bat well in the series against the Jay-Z at that stupid home run, stupid Coco Crisp of all people in the world. God damn it. Yeah. Fuck. But, uh, yeah, I mean – there's no shame. I don't feel any shame, uh, you know, where I get, you know, my backup talking or thinking about the Royals as a, as an idea, as a concept, and it just made me so mad last year. This year, I'm just kind of like, you have to tip your cap because the Jays played well for the most part. They didn't allow 
the pit they pitched their asses pitched off. The really, bullpen really was well, insane, yeah. but uh, they just didn't play well enough. And they lost. Like, no, it's true. unfortunately, I, I mean, it's that simple. I could, I, if as long as we keep the fucking mascot out of it, then yeah, there's no, there's no shame. Oh yeah, in the Cleveland as a concept, but, uh, but yeah, no, you're right, and I think I, the the stuff about this works well for, for example, uh, Blue Jays podcasters who who missed who missed a crucial ability, a, a opportunity to to podcast about the loss in the ALCS and are were you know and are now catching up where the Blue Jays are already into uh you know off season mode uh it works out well because yeah I think that's it that is clearly the kind of design that uh that Atkins is basically laying out as as the template for what they're kind of thinking of doing and it's it's really interesting it's interesting because also uh, you know where the money goes. It's money going into sort of different. Uh, you know, they're they're not. I mean, obviously Cleveland isn't buying up Edwin Encarnacion types because they can't afford to do so. Uh, but I, I mean, it's like I, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say market inefficiencies for some of these guys, but you know the 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 mid tier players, and we saw that last year uh, when the Jays you know really zeroed in on Jay Happ, for example. You know, a guy mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. didn't have a draft pick. So you know, wasn't wasn't going to cost him a draft pick. Was was going to come here, uh, had upside, had a lot of you know things going for him, and was going to be available at a price that made sense. Where you know his floor was basically uh, where he had a little bit more ceiling to push, and that worked out really really well. Uh, and that sort of seems like where their heads are at, I think. And and uh, and that's probably not what. Jays fans want to think or hear about when it comes to, you know, how they might approach this off season, mm-hmm. uh, because obviously they do have more money to play with than Cleveland ever would. And they have more money, I think, to play with than, than last year, just because of what's coming off the books. So they could do some, uh, some higher reward kind of things, higher risk, higher reward things in terms of dollars. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that that would be, you know, we, I, I expect, that we'll be talking in April about a team that kind of made those sort of J.A. Happ moves this winter mm-hmm. uh, rather than the big Alex Anthopoulos kind of splashes. Uh, could be wrong, but uh, but I, that's what I, said, I sort of think. And also, uh, that's probably okay. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's definitely okay. I mean, you, if you want to, if I, I, when I think if I'm going to compare, say, Cleveland to Toronto right now, um, Cleveland has a built in in terms of cost advantage with Lindor and Kipnis uh, being in-house guys. and Well, they've actually been able to develop position players. That's interesting. But the J- it, it is interesting, but at the same time, it's like the Jays can just, we're just able to buy them with money or with other prospects. So the fact that, that they, <laughs> like, that they have like a, Brett Lorry, for example. Well, yeah, but they bring Brett Lorry, <laughs> Brett, look at the way they kind of, uh, arbi- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like arbitrage. You know they they mm-hmm. they they paid a certain price for Laurie, and then they were able to bundle him with a, at a price that might have been a little bit lower, uh, you know, relative to his own indiv- individual value. But obviously, they got a huge reward for that. There was still value uh, in Brett Laurie. There was a lot of you know value in in what the A's, for example, who uh, may not the, the A's might be like slowly slipping into don't. Uh, trades with the A's aren't allowed to be used for any other reference in an outside <laughs> environment because yeah. they make so many bad, ridiculous trades. Um, but I mean, yeah, if, if you can, it, we, Cleveland couldn't afford to 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 make a deal like that. 
right? Cleveland can't afford, Cleveland has to make um, trades like Andrew Miller, which obviously worked out very well for them, but where there's so much cost certainty built into it, where they they wouldn't they could have who maybe they could have made those trades for you know trading that Clint Frazier and Justice Sheffield in a, in a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But but they have to be they have to be worried like Oakland was about paying Josh Donaldson for example in arbitration or trading you know a guy like Jeff Hoffman who might be something good or whatever because they can't afford to pay Troy Tulowitzki twenty million dollars where the Jays are in an almost unique situation where that's the way they they are are going to improve and build the club and then they can develop their own pitching which has worked out well where Cleveland has sort of picked up you know they have their own. They almost do to pitchers what the Jays have historically done with with hitters. If you look at the way the team is built now, right, where they pick up a talented but troubled moron like Trevor Bauer, and be like, as long as we can lobotomize this guy, uh, we can turn him into something. Or, um, you know, I think didn't Crasco bounce around for like did a few different teams, parts of different trades? I think he was with yeah, Milwaukee. One of them, was one he of them in, was around? I know Kluber was from was was that the Jake Westbrook trade? He was with San Diego at some point, and Kluber, Kluber was in a Ryan Ludwig trade. Yeah, I think I think Ludwig and Westbrook and, mm-hmm, and with the Padres. Yeah, yeah, and uh, is it Carrasco or Salazar? One of them came from elsewhere too. I think it's Carrasco. I'm pretty sure Carrasco may may have been in uh, in the CC Sabathia trade. I can look it up, but I don't. Yeah, really this want is to. this is a thing we could have looked up. Had we, well, I mean, it's, had it's, we it's, had any idea what we were talking about, we could have we could have looked it up beforehand. And I'm it's sure a free flowing conversation. Are screaming at their <laughs> at their uh, mobile device, you know, trying to tell us right now which oh, uh, which trade Carrasco came over in. He was a Philly. He came. He was traded along. He was in the Cliff Lee trade. Oh well, there you go. He was in the Cliff Lee trade with Benny Fresh, the original Benny Fresh. Huh. The 2009 trade deadline deal. Carlos Carrasco, I think he was the centerpiece of that trade. But anyway, too bad he. Oh, too, they they didn't they didn't want to get Kyle Dre back out of that. No, it's too bad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the Jays. But the, I think the, if we take turn it back to the Jays instead of kind of blowing the the Cleveland for a little while longer, but same, because same front office. So what's the difference? Hmm? Same front office. So. Yeah. <laughs> But if the, the 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 it's almost obviously it's going to be if if you really want to and you're going to squint and you're going to turn your brain into off season mode as opposed to wow I can't believe the team that I follow so closely just lost in the ALCS they kind of got their asses kicked a little bit um, in five games and that's horrible and I'm mad about it if 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 it's if you're able to make the switch to off season mode you can't help but feel validated as a Blue Jays fan knowing that. The kind of brain trust and the, the 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 machinery that was behind building this Cleveland team that that obviously the Jays saw them kind of at their best in terms of being able to um, win those important games in a really exciting and and punishing way. Uh, uh, guy uh, Guy Spurrier, the the uh, sports editor of the National Post, he had a tweet about because he's a Tigers fan. Mm-hmm. He said uh, he saw this. He's like, I saw this 18 times this year during the the, the ALCS uh, reference in Cleveland. Being like, he's like, he said it's like playing against a boa constrictor. It's just they just tighten and squeeze, and just the game is over before you know it. And even though it's a two or three run game, it feels like you're watching a spring training game uh, where all the starters already left. It's like, well, this is a foregone conclusion, uh, and it's really frustrating. And 
And again, uh, Cle- the Cleveland model where they're not only are the players um, good or, but that whole athleticism thing where how many different times did, did Cleveland in, uh, infielders in particular, uh, well, crisp for uh, the, the crisp catch on Josh right. Donaldson, the sinking liner, or I think it was they game really three. really saved the day there for the, uh, for the American broadcasters. They were really happy. They <laughs> Absolutely. They didn't have a rooting interest at all in that series. Uh, or Jason Kipnis at the end of game three made a really nice play going behind second base to finish the game, to end the game through, it might have been Russell Martin out. But again, if they're a, you know, not only are they good good and above average and, and strong offensive threats, but they, they play defense well. And of course, obviously, they pitch well. So if you want it to be, it can be encouraging. If you don't want it to be, if you want to be mad at Cleveland, I get that. It's annoying. Watching playing against them was watching the watching the Jays play them every day was really annoying. I wanted to stop it very really, very soon. Yeah, and 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 that stretches back over the course of the year. Like I say, when I made that tweet at the end of the August series, that was you know J- <laughs> that was the the walk off with the inside the park. I think there was a Jason Grilly home run that the Jays lost another game in that series on the Jays won, I think the the third game of that series or which was actually the first. And mm-hmm. uh and then, then there was the Canada Day game. Uh and they lost you know they they lost one game where it was like they really got beat. Uh basically the whole year against Cleveland in just a sea of losses where you look back and you're like really felt they should have won this one, really felt they should have won this one. Mm-hmm. Uh you could pretty much put that on Almost all but one of the losses that the Jays took to Cleveland this whole fucking year. Well, the one was uh, which the is, um, which is a credit to Cleveland, like you said, you know, like the 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 boa constrictor thing. One was the uh, Jose Ramirez home run. Jose Ramirez had home run off Brett Cecil. Oh, maybe it was Cecil and not Greeley then. Yeah, there was. Well, was that, no, that there was, was that, that was that same series in. Uh, that was the one in, in Cleveland. That was the Sunday afternoon yeah. after strong. I'm I'm looking on baseball yeah, baseball and that that was the day that would have been the day after. The Naquin walk-off Saunders Upton bullshit play. Two days after that was Friday. The Jays oh, won yeah. Saturday. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Sunday and then, doesn't come out. Okay, Sunday doesn't come out after Friday anymore. That's right. Often, often not. But I mean, you never know. On, on the lake, there they do things a little bit differently. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I kind of you know you want to say hats off to Cleveland a little bit and not necessarily be a huge uh, piss baby about it. Um, although I'm happy to be a piss baby about it given an opportunity uh that was definitely even though it was so well played and the blue jays pitched so so well throughout the entire postseason uh all of the worst fears of blue jays fans i think came to light in that series where the offense just looked it, it, it launched a thousand terrible garbage takes about approach where people who don't know what they're talking about are going yes. on and on about the approach of the Blue Jays and the approach of the batters and people who say, oh, some guy was clowning around saying they should have fi- they should fire Brooks Jacoby because the the approaches are so bad and they're getting embarrassed and this, selfish yeah. and non-winning players like oh my god just stop. this is this has come out again and uh, you know as uh, ross atkins announcing the coaching staff uh mm-hmm. being retained minus eric owens the secondary hitting coach and yeah you hear more stuff about that and and I, i've been tweeting about it and i've gotten a couple of twitter things about it uh and i will I would, I would to which i will say this i you know i am not opposed to the idea that the Blue Jays, you know, did not have great approach, but please demonstrate how they had a bad approach before you go and tell me that they had a bad approach. You know, 
there there is a lot that you know approach is just a code word i think most times for bad results i was tweeting that i think i tweeted that a couple times today and and, and like bad approaches is, is a code for bad results and uh you know i understand getting angry but but you know you just just if you're gonna rag on their approach tell me what their approach is what's wrong with it uh what should be better what they're not doing tell me that kind of stuff and then we can sort of have a conversation about whether they have a bad approach and whether the hitting coach should be fired but if you can't tell me that stuff which you usually can't because that's you know internal to the players or to the the clubhouse or to the game planning and and all that stuff and to to the moment uh you know maybe maybe shut the fuck up about approach yeah definitely it's so much more complex and it's so easy to like oh these guys got to try to go the other way and uh, sometimes you hear there there are some players for whom that's true and when you can see a, a guy who's rolling over a lot or pull crazy or whatever yes but at the same time it's it's like that's that's who these the players are who they are you know what I mean? And, and they are successful and the team is good and in this position to go to the World Series because of the players that they have. And yes, in the playoffs, you're playing against tougher pitching, so there's fewer mistakes to crush or they are able to game plan in a way like we saw Cleveland just go crazy with curveballs because they know that so many of the Blue Jays are, are just up there hunting fastballs and are looking to ambush you and jack you to left field because uh, the team is so heavily right-handed, which is maybe it was is more of a legitimate beef against the team. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, it's crazy tilted to the one side, and that Michael Saunders wasn't able to offer really anything from the left side. Although he did have a decent series, he did I have guess, a good, but, yeah, he had a good series. But yeah, no, you're right, absolutely, and that's that's, that's more roster construction than it is mm-hmm. approach. But I mean, all all you have to do, and, and I'll reference the game that's going on as we record this game one of the World Series, where uh, Cleveland just shut out the Chicago Cubs, who were the bike. No, like a not insignificant margin, the best team in baseball. An unbelievable offense with incredible hitters. So, also just added Schwarber back, who is apparently just fine. Just, just spit, just spitting on yeah. on sliders at the knees from Andrew Miller and <laughs> uh, drawing walks and hitting doubles off of Corey Kluber, who was off his ass. But I mean, again, you so what you watch Kluber and the, the, it's so easy to say go up there with a better approach. And, but number one, when you start trying to change your game plan to to um, uh, adjust in or to counteract what a pitcher is doing, he's already so far ahead. And the other side side of that is so if you're Jose Bautista and you're one of the premier sluggers in the game, or you have been for the last five or six years, and now you're going to go up there and try to dink everything to right field, they've gotten you away from your strength. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's not so easy to hit that two seam fastball that starts off the plate and then comes back that you give up on, and then it ends up being a strike. It's not. It's not. The the. No, no, but they should fire the hitting coach, though. They should fire the hitting coach because <laughs> these guys aren't these guys aren't able to figure out how to hit dotted ninety three mile an hour sliders that look exactly like the <laughs> ninety mile an hour cutter that's thrown in the same spot that ends up you know six inches the other way where the hitter looks twice as bad trying to swing at that because they're still not going to hit it. I don't know. It's just it's so annoying. It's so annoying where. It, it, to try to like occupy that space where, okay, if you're along for the ride, you're emotional. I get that. Or suddenly you're, I'm the analytical mind who is, uh, who knows what's best. Like, eh, just pump the brakes on that a little bit. I think that's fair. I, I know people do have a more legitimate beef with the game where it was all a bunch of relievers or 
Joe Merritt or whoever the fuck that was or fucking Josh Tomlin. Though Tomlin pitched real fucking well and had pitched really well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, a lot of people looked at the the uh, and I think we're encouraged to look at the uh, the overall numbers of his season when really you know he hit a huge bump in August and had a strong September, pitched well against Boston, and then you know did a great job against the Jays in the in the game when he was asked as well. And it is not as bad. Uh, as I think the the Jays made it up to be, and there, ah, fuck, there was just so much bullshit in that too. The shaking in his boots thing about the uh, about the last game, you know, all that, and and Trevor Bauer going back and forth, and I don't know about you. I mean, I, usually that stuff that seems fun to me, but I was just like, I don't need any of this shit. We're getting our asses beat. <laughs> Stop with the trivial nonsense. The the shaking in the boots thing, which I you know I I am I am prepared to like. I'm putting my I put myself in a position where I'm like it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to talk a little trash. It's cool to ha- cool to have some fun. Uh but it's also not cool to get owned and to get kind of slapped around a little bit and uh yeah. I mean, there's no benefit to not saying, you know, there's no nothing ventured, nothing lost where if you don't say anything, nothing that doesn't come back, but at the same time who cares? Like it's just kind of harmless good fun. Yeah. I don't think that it he was meant to suggest that that was he was a bad player or that he was I mean, I think that it's totally fair to say, yeah, a young guy coming in making his what second start of the, of the year or in the big leagues in the ALCS in that Toronto, you know, the Rogers Center atmosphere against a very good right-handed lineup. It's not out, out of line to say he's going to be nervous because he would, and he was. I'm sure he would cop to that. He just happened to pitch really well, and the Jays weren't able to capitalize on his slop. Yeah. Buckets and buckets of slop. I'm, I'm certainly not anti-fun. I like, you know, I, I'm, I like you say, you know, it's fair to say, and it is, it's, I don't know, that stuff I guess is fun, but maybe... Maybe that's just me. The, by that by that point in the series, I was just like, "Oh God, really? We're gonna? Do I have to pretend I'm outraged about something here? Like, just hit, hit the fucking ball already." Uh, Trevor Bauer is pretty easy to to dislike, though. He's a bit of a clown. He is. Yes, he is. He is a clown. Um, and I, if anything, Bauer coming out of that game was the worst thing that could have happened for the Jays because I really thought that they matched up well. Mm-hmm. I thought he's going to try and throw that stuff. You know, throw his fastball belly high, and he loves to pitch up in the zone. Maybe the Jays will uh, really get to him if, if, as much as anybody. They did not. They did not. That was that was not to dwell on these, but that was another moment with the same thing. Like, oh, classless fans in Toronto cheering because the injured pitcher is coming out of the game. It's like, really, we're having phony outrage about this now. That was bullshit. That was like, total bullshit. Come on. They're not cheering because he's an injured pitcher. They're cheering because he's an idiot. Yes. Who? Put his team in like a significant hole because of his idiocy. <laughs> I was I was among that crowd, and I can assure you that is precisely why I was cheering. Can you imagine that though? Being mad, You're like oh, tut tut, can't believe a typical Toronto. That's the thing. That's the thing that that. God bless the Fairweather fans or the fans who aren't you know in the trenches and thinking about baseball in November or January, whatever it might be. But to have kind of these tourists show up and on Twitter in particular, especially journalists who don't necessarily traffic in baseball show up and just start running their mouths. That shit makes me crazy. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. There's that. The Love the, love the passion of the fans. Love the passion. Of the fans. <laughs> it, does, it does, it does strike me as odd the way that, that fans not odd. I guess what, do you, what the fuck do I expect? But the the way that it is very very hostile to 
you know, opposing teams, fans of the opposing teams, not in like a violent way, but like in a, uh, you know, they're going to get on you, which is, I think, a thing that happens all over the place. Uh, and I just, I remember how it was, I was, you know, it was, you were so fucking mad when, like, when Paul Godfrey let the, let the fucking Tigers and Red Sox fans get tickets for the opener before Jays fans. And it was encouraged to, you know, come, you couldn't get tickets at Fenway. So you'd have an invasion of Red Sox fans. Uh, and how it was just like, man, like these people having a picnic in our house, this is infuriating. And then we now go and do that to everybody <laughs> all over the Literally place. every other, Literally every other everybody. team. And, and our, uh, you know, the Jays fans are what they are. I mean, I can't speak for them, I guess, <laughs> you know, or, or I, I can't admonish them because I'm part of that crowd a lot of times, but I don't know. That just strikes me as odd sometimes. I don't I don't want them to be less, you know. It's nice. It's nice to have atmosphere. It's a t- it's talked about. People, you know, people want to play in this atmosphere. They they like it. You know, it's better than when it was tepid here, that's for sure. Uh it is better, but it's also I like to be able to go to the games. That's one thing that I was so I'm I'm shocked and I don't know if I'm a, I'm unique in this where I, they so many people, friends and people, my Instagram feed was just full of people oh, taking yeah, photos yeah. of the games. I'm like, who are these people that can afford to go to all these fucking playoff games? Yeah, I can't. People are getting a second mortgage to do this shit. It's fucking insane how expensive it is. There's like everyone's got a low key relieved when the Jays actually are limited, so they don't have to pay for all those World Series tickets. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of that money has to get paid up front though, and then uh, and then they'll they'll refund it to you. They want to they want to take all that, get some interest on it as much as they can. I think I'm, I'm you got it all figured cause, cause out because I, I have a friend who works in a job that isn't the media so so he can afford these these things and I just uh, I, I just deal with him he'll put it on his credit card and that's how I end up going uh, by paying him back as opposed to so I don't actually know what the how the fuck the finances work. It's trash. Well, it's not trash. It's great, but I'm don't get me I'm started baffled. on how fucking expensive Toronto is and how you know fuck that. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. We'll stop our griping, and we'll come back, and then we'll gripe about how expensive baseball players are and how it's going to make for a very different-looking Toronto Blue Jays team in 2017. We'll be right back. More birds all day. Hey, everybody. We'll get back to the podcast in a second. But first, I would like to talk to you a little bit about tickets, about getting tickets to events, about getting tickets to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, It's not always easy. This time of year, especially, the Blue Jays are fantastic. They're selling out games. You may be tempted to go and deal with the dirty vagrants that uh, occupy the area around the Rogers Center in order to get yourself tickets to a particular game that's sold out. Well, technology has made it so you don't have to. You can download the SeatGeek app onto your phone and browse all kinds of ticket offers uh, to not just the Blue Jays, but to other events in this city, in your city, in other cities you may be visiting. Uh, SeatGeek just makes everything perfectly easy. I use it myself. It's the first place I go to looking for tickets because SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you. It searches multiple ticket sites and ensures you get the best possible deal. And the best thing is right now, we have a great deal with the SeatGeek folks, uh, listeners of Birds All Day. You can get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So if you want to do that, get the SeatGeek app, 
You get it on your phone, you dial it up, you go in there, you hit the settings tab, and you click add promo code, and you enter the promo code BIRDS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's a fantastic deal, uh, and it's a great app. I encourage everybody to try it. Thanks very much, and now back to the show. Okay, so now the season is over. The World Series is over. The, one, the first game is complete, so I would say that, that we know exactly how that series is going to work out. So now we can get down to the business, the important business, the business that people like more than watching baseball games. It's talking about who might wear the uniform in the next series of baseball games. People love to roster bait. It is crazy. And I'm sure that you know uh, as much as as well as anyone that uh, when is when is your traffic the highest, Mr. Anchestoten? Uh, it, it's changed in the last couple of years, but it would always, it would always be, you know, peak enthusiasm. I would have highest traffic in December, the winter meetings, and then it would sort of slowly go down until April and ramp back up at the start of the season. And then slowly sort of death march all the way down to the next December, basically, uh, with the odd peak in there, uh, you know, keep in mind, this is, I, I think I started in December 2016 and 2016, 2006, 2006. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of bad Toronto Blue Jays baseball. The 2007 season through the present just completed one. People uh, but yeah, love... December. People love it. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I fucking love it. They love the And the trade deadline, it's all gold. So we're not quite there, but it is now time where uh, Blue Jays puppet general ma- uh, manager, Russ Atkins, did a, did his post mortem? He sat with reporters, and then he did some TV stuff. And then you, Mister Andrew Stoughton, mm-hmm. uh, in the mark of a true professional, you took that day in those interviews and that press conference, mm-hmm. and you didn't turn it into one story. Sure didn't. You turned it into what? Uh, is it? Did you turn it into five? I did stories. Yeah. You are a content professional and and an exemplary model. <laughs> of aggregation let me tell you i'm uh, so proud thank you yeah i only did that because it took me so fucking long to to do it i just couldn't get the words out uh because so, i was posting them a day after it happened everybody already read all that stuff from everybody else so i was mm. like well, jesus i better get this out uh, i have three sections of this post done let's just post them as separate pieces and then fill in the rest later which uh which i did and uh you know what Cool. It's a it's a good content strategy. So there I like are many it. many things to talk about. Five whole pieces, five whole blog posts full of them. Well, the first thing you talked about was the injury updates that he provided on uh, Kevin Pillar and Josh Donaldson and Russell Martin, I believe. Yeah. Did we know Russell Martin's knee was all fucked up? I think we must have, right? Well, I think we assumed so. He was hitting like a big bag of uh, wet, soaking, distinct, <laughs> disgusting garbage. So not a lot of authority on the balls he was in. I think he hit a did he hit a home run in the Texas series, or was it in the Cleveland? He did. Series? He did hit a home run in the, in the in the Texas series in the first or the second game. Yeah, he might have got Darvish. Which yeah, is, he might. Which, he might have. Which on that day, apparently, everybody was. Uh. But he did, there's not much to say. I mean, no, it's also it is it is striking though to, to notice that people, there were some folks who were like, "Oh well, I think maybe we might need to see Dion or Navarro." Like, how much more before we're going to see? It's like, <laughs> I think we all really remember that Dion Navarro was a great guy to have around, and he's really not a good hitter anymore at all. Uh, at all. 
I was just today because my I have a, uh, this little hobby horse, which is telling people who hate Josh Soley that it's really not so bad. Uh, I was looking at catchers with at least a hundred plate appearances this season and sorted them by, you know, things like weighted runs created plus and and uh, and uh, wins above replacement. Uh, totally w- better than than your Caleb Joseph and your uh, and your Ryan Hannigan of, of playoff teams in Boston mm-hmm. and. Uh, and Baltimore also Jan Gomes very close uh, uh, in terms of that's also a playoff team in Cleveland uh, so you can overcome the, the detriment that is a bad backup catcher uh, but also yeah Dion Navarro was real close to those guys he was you know a slight notch ahead which is to say uh, a touch below replacement level he was garbage at the plate this year uh, I don't think he was a whole lot better last year either uh, no, he wasn't. Let's, let's, you know, let's let him. Uh, if if he wants to pass the course to be a to be a Toronto police officer and stand there and wear the uniform, make sure no idiots <laughs> run onto the field like that fucking idiot uh, at game game five. There, uh, be my guest. But uh, catching <laughs> for my major league baseball team, uh, I don't know because he's he's not exactly a defensive stalwart. No, he's not. Uh, but there was not really any news about whether any of those guys are going to require surgery. I'm still terrified uh, by Josh Donaldson potentially needing hip surgery. I would yeah, like he, that to. It would have been nicer if that had been ruled out. I would have. I would have appreciated that being ruled out. But yeah, yeah. Alex Rodriguez good. had hip surgery, and he was great after. He was good after his hip surgery. Yeah. How's How's Troy Tulowitzki working out? Listen. Love Tulo. Right. Love Tulo. He's not the guy he was before, but love him. He's he's still very good. He had a good four month stretch. He did. That was kind of bookended by not good month. And honestly, I think he I, he was hitting the ball hard. I think at the end too. I think he kept hitting the ball hard and was maybe not getting getting some of the breaks. Contact. But he's still, but he is still not the one seventy weighted runs created plus kind of guy that you might have seen in previous years. It's okay. He's only what thirty two old mm-hmm. making like 21 that. million dollars a year totally cool um, russell martin uh, mm-hmm. i always just quote it i just he makes 20 million a year no he doesn't he doesn't he's 18 until, doesn't until next year this year he made 14 last year he makes last year he made seven and then he has three years at 20 million uh beginning in 2017 well that's good it's good for him <laughs> isn't that good get that money russell martin good uh, for him. uh I, don't, other... I don't think that ross atkins and mark shapiro would have signed that contract yeah, well, flags fly forever. That's right. <laughs> the American League East Championship flag. We'll Russell Martin, only one one of them. One of those flags, <laughs> and the other one would just be uh, the one time when they beat the fucking Orioles because they left their best pitcher in the bullpen. <laughs> Game-worn uh, jersey was for sale. I I'm, hope the I'm, Toronto Sports Bar bought it. Hilarious. Come on. That, that, that should be in Toronto forever. Um, sitting it, sit, put mount, varnish it into the fucking bullpen wall, just hang it up there forever. Let that stay there. It was great. Russell Martin is well on his way to a like an Orlando. Um, what's his name? The guy who used to play for the Expos, Cabrera. Orlando Cabrera. That that is what Orlando Cabrera had that long run where he was always oh like people love to give credit to Orlando Cabrera like oh he seems to end up in the playoffs all the time. 
where at first it may have been true. Like, yeah, he was a good player and helped yeah. teams be better. And then it's like, <laughs> he just sort of is the guy they bring around. Yeah, <laughs> He's kind of got a bit of a mascot vibe. Not that that's not what Russell Martin is. Not yet. He remains a very uh, crucial contributor, pitch framer, and catcher, or a pitching staff handler, and I, league average bat haver. Here, here's, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you can't, you can't, completely get rid of the you know the first part of the year when he was dog shit but mm. he did have the neck problem end of the year he did have the knee problem i mean you can't just be like well he well so we'll take what he did in the middle and that's what he is going forward it's like no he's a mid-30s catcher he's probably gonna have more knee injuries and neck injuries and whatever mm-hmm. kind of injuries but he was really really good in the middle of the season like really there was there was about 350 plate appearances four months basically uh where he was really good he was you know uh, better the better overall numbers than Jonathan Lucroy on the season, uh, which is of course being very kind to Russell Martin by cutting Inc- out the parts incredibly, of the where he incredibly was kind. <laughs> but, but but the point stands for four months he was very very good. So there's we don't need this is doesn't have to be a eulogy for Russell Martin just yet. I'm sure there will be lots and lots of time uh, that contract isn't going away. All right, well, then let's dispense with the rest of the formalities. We could go through and say, like, oh, yeah, he said nice things about players that uh, are in the Blue Jays system, which is really nice of the general manager. Or he said uh, he said that Brett Cecil is a good pitcher who's only ever played for the Blue Jays. That's one thing I think it's under overlooked a little bit. Brett Cecil, of course, drafted by the Blue Jays. It's the only team he's ever known. Mm-hmm. And now he faces the option of uh, – faces the prospect of leaving that team. Uh, someone's going to pay him. the The relief market is going to go crazy. A lot of relievers out there, though. That's the only other thing. But yes, you're probably right. Someone's going to pay him. Yes, yeah, I think. I think people. I think there are teams, maybe even the Blue Jays, who are like thinking, "Let's pour some money into this bullpen thing. Maybe not pay as much money for, say." Some athletic corner outfield guys who we can platoon and get as much as we can out of them. No, I don't like that idea. You know what I want for the for I the outfield? I, I think that for, I think that might be the idea, but I don't I don't like it necessarily either. All I, I all of them. I, I want to do what every other team has done, which is grab somebody else's failed starter. <laughs> yeah. Just start picking up failed starters, and you start pumping them into the bullpen, and you figure out. Who's good and who's not, and like, oh yeah, his stuff is going to play up. You, you try. You've been trying for three years to figure out how to throw a changeup. You're garbage. You're done. Come on to the bullpen, get three outs, and then go sit down. That, I'm all right with that. That's where I, I'd rather pay for the athletic corner outfielder uh, who is you know facing you know two years from free agency or whatever it might be. Uh, not not actual free agency, but but yeah, I don't know. But so we could talk about Brett Cecil. We could talk about Michael Saunders who. I the Ross Atkins did say that he's not sure about the qualifying offer, mm-hmm. um, which is understandable <laughs> because that would be insane. Yeah, would it? I don't no, think that he would take it. Not insane. You don't think he would take that? No, he you wants think he, more than seventeen million dollars out there for him. There's more than I think there would be more than one year out there for him, wouldn't there? Yeah, but if it's not if it's less than seventeen million, what is what is the point? If you're Michael Saunders and someone offers you 220, you take that. You have to take that. You're Michael Saunders. Your legs are like ready to go. 
Would you want to go? I I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to do that all again. If yeah. I'm if I'm a player with injury challenges all the time, I don't know. It, I mean, it is like what a like like you have to reset your mind. I think, or maybe I just do. A, you know, like what are they saying? A, a win above replacement is going to be about on the market. Are we up to like eight nine nine million dollars? Eight, eight or nine? Yeah, win, yeah, basically. So the, you're right. At that point, Michael Saunders does start to look like well, I don't know, maybe. Maybe, and his uh, his overall numbers were all right. If and, and this is something I wrote in the piece about the other, you know, the, the Saunderses and the other free agents. You know, the Jays know him better than anybody else. They know what his medicals are. They might know why he was like because he looked okay in October, but he was just garbage, garbage in September. Uh, August not not real good either. Uh, I don't know if he was battling through something at that point. Maybe you can convince yourself, but geez, I mean, he's just, like you say, the legs aren't, <laughs> the knees aren't going to last forever. Uh, and he already looks sort of out of place in the outfield. So please remember, it, he looks out of place in the outfield. That's a very important point. The Blue Jays, with their entire season on the line, preferred to have Jose Bautista play out there, have a 35 year old family circus route. <laughs> Like no arm to speak yeah. of anymore. That tragic throw that almost hit Ryan Goins, uh, the, the, you know, which I think yeah. was a decoy. I think that was a decoy throw because whoever because was that was coming around third base was, that's what that was no, because the 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 camera the 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 broadcast camera showed was following the runner and he was so far around third base by the time Bautista picked the ball up. There's no way if he was throwing anybody out from that depth. So I think that that was a decoy throw. It just ended up looking so bad. Because it was what a fifty-foot throw that <laughs> bounced to the middle of the infield. It was not good. But that the Jays put Bautista out there and had Saunders DH, which is crazy. A little bit, and yet, you know, you you're gonna have to compromise <laughs> on some things, right? You know, you're not gonna find the perfect player to fit into the hole that you have on mm-hmm. the free agent market. Maybe you compromise. A little bit of defense to get a lefty bat for a reasonable price in a guy like Saunders. Maybe they offer it to him and, and think that and then say, you know, if he doesn't if he take takes it, it, then, it we so get much, it, then we get yeah. a draft pick because we know they want the they, we know they want draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another thing. You know, I said about Jay Happ kind of deals, uh, looking for that. I would love to see more Francisco Luriano kind of deals too. Yeah. Uh, which Which is the thing that we, you know as easy as it is to get down on, on them and, and sort of think of their game plan as being, uh, you know, sort of uh, quantity over quality, I guess, uh, in terms of what, how many pieces they want to pick up, which I think probably is, it just speaks to what, I think that's what they kind of look like they want to do. Uh, like as a, you know, as a, a, a for a philosophy as a front office. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, that deal was, uh, was really interesting, I think, in terms of the money that they took on, obviously. And mm-hmm. then the Melvin Upton deal, too, is another one where you kind of... You, it, it gets my hopes up that maybe I'm being a little too uh, too harsh on what I think they're going to spend. And maybe that the even if they do go quantity over quality, uh, some of the quantity will have some nice quality to it as well. To speak in a fucking riddle or whatever the fuck I'm saying here. <laughs> definitely, definitely speaking in <laughs> riddles. Uh, but it does. We'll move on real quick, though. Okay. I, mean, I was thinking about this before. And, and, and you talked about fit and, 
somebody said, and I, we, I think we've probably said it before, that when you look at Jose Bautista and you look at what his potential landing places might be and the potential suitors, I don't think that there's a team that is better set up to sign Jose Bautista than the Toronto Blue Jays. I think that he is almost like an ideal fit. They do the like Jays. his defense better than uh, than Michael Saunders. They do. They seem uh, to have believe in his defense a little bit, which is cool if it's true. I think. Or, I mean, I think it's possible somebody gets a nice little bargain on Jose Bautista based on you know a lot of teams will probably look at that year and be like you know how he, the upside is obviously there and he's better than he looked uh, for a lot of the year. But how many years are you going to get out of him where he doesn't have you know? the toe injury, the knee injury where he isn't breaking down because he's just of that age. So I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, so that will depress his market. The The draft pick will probably depress his market a little bit. So you may you may be onto something there. Which is crazy to think that the draft pick might depress his market. But I, I do think he he played that into the conversation where uh, Edwin Encarnacion did not. Yeah, no, nobody's going to think twice about that, I think. Boston's going to give their draft pick up right away. And they're what? entitled little media fucking sycophant <laughs> pieces of shit. Love, just love that team. The old cheerleaders in the media there. They are they're gonna can't... really feel good that they're that the the men that the DH they felt entitled to is coming home to where he belongs. Fuck you. Go ahead and take a look at the two teams that are playing in the World Series that both have enormous Red Sox thumbprints all over them. Mm-hmm. All over them. Mm-hmm. It's like Red Sox alumni, both those teams. It's crazy, actually. It's almost like the Red Sox are a well-run organization. Yeah, but they don't With an have... incredible history of success in the last 10 years. <laughs> they don't have the GM who fucking didn't trade Betts and Bradley and Bogarts. Well, they have one that didn't. They have a G. Here, here, <laughs> here's a thought. Here's a total thought experiment. Not a thought, like a totally random. What do you think it would take? Talk about spending money. Looking for ways to spend money. If the Jays want to go with a more player development, they need to, you know, they want to try to strengthen the strengthen the farm system. What would it take for the Blue Jays to get David Price from the Red Sox? Would you would you think if they called up like and said two two hundred million dollars? Like we'll take start. we'll pay the <laughs> full freight. We'll pay that. We'll pay a salary. What would what kind of what? Like, is the player cost for that significant? Would the Red Sox want a lot, or would they just be happy to be away from him? Do you, do you think it's north or south of what it'll cost to get Joey Votto? I think it is south. Yeah? Because he's a pitcher. Well, let's, there we go. Let's go. Do both. Yeah, why not? Do both. Take them both on. Commit $50 million a year to two players <laughs> who are both <laughs> over 30. For no reason other than the fact that uh, that they either are from here or played here for f- 12 starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to do it for Encarnacion and Batista. They, it's true. You know. They're both older, Encarnacion and Batista. Uh, there's a, I mean, Encarnacion said all the right things, right? Especially right after the game in the aftermath about this is my number one destination and this is my where i want to be yeah but this is it for him right like this is his page this is his payday he's not going to take a hometown discount we have to believe that 
I mean, I don't think he's going to take a great hometown discount. I think that I think maybe that all things considered, they could make it an offer that that is less than the top that he gets, and 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 still get him. But yeah, I mean, it's his payday. They're not gonna they're not gonna he's be not- able to offer three and have other teams offering five, and him be like, hmm, maybe I'll take this. Like, yeah, it, it's if teams are offering five, they're gonna have to offer five, uh, which. Maybe that's it. But I don't know who was going to offer him that much, to be honest. I mean, it's a lot of years for a guy in his mid-30s. I think everybody looks at the, the Victor Martinez contract, right? And that's four. Mm-hmm. And he'll go beyond, like, was it 460? It must have been more than that. Maybe Nelson maybe. Cruz. Nelson Cruz's yeah. contract might not be the worst I mean, I one think to that, compare yeah, to. Yeah, I think that's that plus a little you know inflation is probably what he's got to be looking at, right? So, I don't know. I think uh, it's... They could get creative too, I guess. I think it's, I think Bautista they have more of an opportunity to get creative if they want to, you know, build in options or build in something that will, uh, like vesting. Like, yeah, or Perform. I mean, I think there was sort of talk, which is fanciful, earlier in the the you know before the season ended about, uh, will, would you like would he take the qualifying offer? Will he want to rebuild value? Like I don't know, I don't know about that. But I mean, like they're like the Cespedes contract had an element of that in it, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know maybe there's something they can do in that way. So uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that fits into what their conception of uh, a good risk is in terms of like, but you know, giving a guy a, a, an opt out <laughs> that could end up costing them a ton of money if he's not if it's not in his in his best interest to opt out but i don't know they they can get creative i think and they and and they have a lot of money to push people around with or they should so i don't know i wonder if those like to me those aren't the kind of players to for who an opt out no. would be made no it's not right? this is all completely sentimental i think yeah the sentiment is the sentiment is real. I mean, I think there's a part of me that obviously is sentimental and would love to see the Blue Jays sign both of them. But there's a part of me that is glad that it isn't even Alex Anthopoulos running the show anymore, that it is <laughs> these two guys, because they won't be sentimental. And they'll do something that is ghoulish and lizard-like and let them both walk and maybe not go, you know, Carlos Delgado non-offers or just kind of shut conversations down very early before they start. But they don't have that same emotional tie that is inevitable when you've been working together with these these people for so long. And maybe that's the best thing for the health of the organization because the you know the longer the season you know we're still so so, so close to the end of the season but as the off season gets gets long and you start to think about watching a shitty team and the whole rooting for laundry instinct kicks in and the off season in, instinct kicks in and it's like you you know you want to see the, the the favorite players and the guys that are that make give you make make you sentimental um you want to see them stick around and and be honored and not play for the Red Sox or whatever it is. But I think that for a lot of fans, the health of the organization is an important thing. Where even if it isn't something that you would put your finger on and say in those words, you want to know the team is good and is going to continue to be good and is trying to improve. Where 
maybe re-signing those two guys isn't the best way to improve the team. It's just a way to maybe to hopefully not make the team immediately shitty as opposed to making the team shitty the year after next. I I, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, two things, I'll try to make it quick because I know I'm sure you're going to say we're going to have to wrap this up soon. But uh, uh, for one, yeah, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm sort of I'm doing a thought exercise, which is, you know, not easy to do. But imagine, just imagine that, that, that Bautista and Encarnacion had not played for the Blue Jays, had never played for the Blue Jays, played for the Diamondbacks, they played for some other team. And then you're looking at the free agent landscape this winter. You know, how much, how, how much as a Blue Jays fan looking at a team with the same holes, you know, pretend that they weren't created by them de- departing. How much are those guys, are those the kind of guys that you're looking at? Are you looking at the 35, 36 year old right-handed slugger types? You're probably not. You're probably not. There's probably, you know, they could be part of a solution, but they're one of many pieces on the market and many ways that they could go about, you know, without sentiment going about their off season and making the team better. So it's hard to divorce yourself from that. And then, but then the other thing to say is, which is something that I wrote in in one of the pieces today is that, I mean, fuck you look at, you look at the 1989 blue Jays and the 1993 blue Jays, you look at the 92 blue Jays and the 93 blue Jays, the turnover there and, you know, tough decisions. And, 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 you know, you went you went through kind of stuff like this, right? You know, the 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 Bell, Barfield, Steve, Jimmy Key, Blue Jays sort of transitioned into the Whamco and and eventually Paul Molitor and Alomar Carter and all those you know all those guys and Juan Guzman mm-hmm. and and you know we all know the names we all know all the names because they all you know they 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 did their part they had their bit in, in the uh, in the legacy of the team and and they're part of our memories and it was and it was great and. You know, whether or not they sort of, you know, the, the the fact that Dave Steep didn't hang on through, you know, 93, 94, 95, or that, that some of those other guys weren't part of the World Series years, the Bells and the Barfields, that doesn't take away from uh, from what they were and what they meant to the franchise and to fans in the era that they did play in. Uh, and with that, you know, with the sort of perspective of history, I think you look at it a little bit differently than maybe you do uh, right now when you're like, oh, I don't want these guys to leave. Uh but you know, like yeah, like you say, I mean, you want the health of the organization going forward is really important, and 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 I hate saying it myself, but yeah, you look at it, and that's maybe not the the best option. And if we're saying this, if we as you know fans and who've come to be recording a podcast about the Blue Jays because of you know love of baseball and love of the team and and all that stuff, if we're saying it, like my God, what are of course the fucking robots in the front office are going to be saying that sort of stuff too? I think so. I mean, that's something we're going to have to come to grips with. It's something uh, we did not do a great job of coming to grips with last year with David Price. So maybe. Maybe we get a do-over. Maybe we can do that one a little bit better because uh, uh, it's probably going to happen. I hope it doesn't pay Edwin, but, you know, it is what it is. I think about an even more recent example of that, too, which is the 2004 Red Sox. If ever there was a team to be sentimental, it would be mm-hmm. the, the first team to win the World Series in whatever, 86 years, however long it was, uh, keeping beloved players like Pedro Martinez and Derek Lowe, and the Red Sox didn't. And then they won the World Series again three years later, right? Which to me is like as loud an endorsement of that bloodless ghoul robot <laughs> approach as yeah. you could ever want. Because yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> so many people, you know, Red Sox fans would never would never take that back. You would they didn't 
look how much fun they've had because they're the Red Sox and they're looking to throw parties like that. You know, every every six weeks there's a ceremony before the game. Uh, and Pedro Martinez still wanders out and does Pedro Martinez shit. And Derek Lowe is, is still there. It doesn't matter that he played for the, where did he go? The Dodgers and then the Cleveland or something. But, you know, you have to run your team in that forward-thinking way. That making, grasping at what you can salvage for 2017, recognizing that you're going to be have a just a terrible, expensive, bloated mess in 20, 2019. You have to think about that stuff. Otherwise, you end up screwed. Like, so you end up, I don't know, like the Yankees last year i don't know or worse there's just so many the phillies you end up like the phillies is what you end up like jesus christ right the phillies of two years ago and then when you have the team that's unwilling to acknowledge that this is it and they don't make the trades they need to make and they end up with an aging player who's then hurt and they end up with a bunch of guys they trade for you know cents on the dollar at the trade deadline because they hung on for too long it's uh it's it's a risky it's a risky game to, to play but no matter what happens obviously like like you said the the devotion that those important players earned is not, it won't go away. And hopefully it won't be diminished. And if I think, I think that mentality has sort of changed as, as the notion of changing players and changing, excuse me, players, changing teams. um, It's just been so much more normalized, right? It would have been shocking say 30 years ago, but now it's kind of like, it's part of it. It's part of the course. And especially guys like Edwin and, and, uh, and Jose Bautista who, who weren't, you know, these aren't homegrown because this isn't the Chase Utley or or someone who played for 15, 17 years with the same team, having been drafted by that team, you know their their story extends beyond just Blue Jay, the Blue Jays' life, and doesn't diminish what was accomplished by those players and by those teams in the time that they were here. I think. Fair. Well said. Anyway, let's do. That's it. We've gone on for way too long. I think so. So we're back. We'll be back back at it. Uh, if something happens, we'll do it again. And if not, we'll be right back next week, right? Yeah, we'll go. Yeah, if if something happens before Thursday, we can do that. And then, uh, if not, we'll go to we'll do next Thursday. Exciting. Yeah. Thank you, sir. There's probably nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's really nothing really is gonna happen unless there's some sort of surgery that's scheduled that's gonna make us want to come on here and drink and mope yeah. and just play Jesus. sad, depressing music. Anyway. Franger Stoughton. On that note. On that note. <laughs> Franger Stoughton, my name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day.